Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. Hey, my name is Richie. I lead a church in Spokane called Real Life. Real life because um, we believe that Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, enters into every one of our lives as real and as broken, as crazy and chaotic as each of them are. And he enters not with a, a tone of maybe condemnation or critique, but really with a tone of love and grace and an offer of hope and transformation and a life of potential and all that he could do and wants to do in each of our lives. And so really we are a a bunch of people that are learning to become this new people that Jesus is, is making us into be. And we are so excited to be together for these few minutes today and are believing that God got you here on purpose and wants to say something to every single one of you, wants to reveal himself to you, wants to make his love real, his peace real in your life. And so I, get, I just get so excited for these minutes together and pray that you would stay with us in this time. That as we look to the book of Luke, it's a, it's a story, an account of Jesus' life and ministry in scripture in the Bible that we believe is God's word to us, that uh, we give authority to in our lives and we look to with this um, honesty and the sincerity to go, all right, God, we want to learn about you. As a people, we are passionate about knowing Jesus and his leadership and his life and his teaching because we want to be like him. We want our lives to be transformed by him, our attitudes, our hearts, our habits, every bit of us to become more and more like Jesus. And so we look at this eyewitness narrative from Luke and all that he put together, this physician from a couple thousand years ago with a lot of anticipation today going, all right, God, speak to us. Give us a next step. Give us a way from where we are to where we could be and who you're making us to be. We look at this with a lot of hope and excitement today, and I pray you would as well. Luke chapter 9 is where we are today. Uh, I want you to get your Bible if you've got one with paper like this, if you got a phone with a, a, a version app, go there, Luke 9. You need to Google Luke 9, find it some way, shape, or form, wherever you're at right now. I believe that this story in Luke chapter 9, where we pick up the narrative of Jesus' life and ministry, is so important. I think super important because so many of us are struggling with, with all of the inadequacies that these last six months have been constantly revealing to us. I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like every day I'm revealed more and more how inadequate I am, how far short I fall of a life that I would want to have, of a life that I've hoped to live. And I feel like this pandemic and all the things that we've been navigating together, the politics and the pressure around the coming election and all the things that seem to be just continually pressing on us are, are these reminders of how inadequate we are. Maybe your, your, your kids are this constant representation of the failures you have as a parent. Maybe the tensions in your marriage that continue to exist are this constant pressure of how you've failed and how you've let your spouse down. Maybe, maybe the addiction that you're continuing to wrestle with is this constant reminder of how weak you are and how much this substance, maybe it's alcohol or a drug or, or maybe it's a device, it's pornography that's just ruling your life. It's these constant reminders of your inadequacy. And man, here's the danger. Inadequacy can write a, write a story in our hearts and our minds that begins to make decisions about our future for us. 
My heart just aches as, as we enter into this conversation because I think, God, how many people are, are engaged right now in, in, in this conversation with us that have made decisions about their future based on their past failures? How many people have actually given up on their future because of the failures of the past? How many people are struggling with doubts and discouragement, depression, thoughts of suicide right now because you've, you've struggled so much in the past, you think, well, that's the way it's always going to be. Man, that, that, that kind of thinking is, is very normal. It's very powerful. It can, it can grip our lives and, and literally shape the trajectory of our future. This story becomes so powerful because I believe Jesus gives us a different way to think about our inadequacies. In this story, you, you, you pick up with Jesus and his disciples right after he just sent them out. He commissioned them to go like heal people, preach the kingdom, cast out demons. We were not told a ton of detail about how that went. He told them to take nothing with them, to really trust his leadership and his provision in that time. But I'm certain there was moments that did not go well. I don't know if anybody has, has really struck out on a new mission before, or you've been filled with passion, you've tried something, you've experimented, you've, you've really risked it all. And then, and then you find yourself in places of failure and in, in shortcoming and inadequacy and, and, and just all that follows that. Jesus grabs his disciples and after they return, it's like he plans this almost retreat, this getaway with them here in Luke chapter nine. I want you to pick up with me in verse 10. This is on their return, the, the apostles return from this mission that they were sent on. They told Jesus all that they had done. It was like this debrief, this reporting in moment, probably some amazing things and some kind of failure type moments. And so he took with them uh, with him and they withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. I'm not sure if I said that right. Verse 11, when the crowds learned about Jesus leaving and going to this other place with his disciples, they followed him. I love this about Jesus. He welcomed them. I, I don't know if you've ever like been on a vacation before and it gets interrupted by, by someone or something, how annoyed I get. I get super annoyed. No, I'm here to rest. Leave me alone. I'm trying to be with my family. Don't talk to me. I, you, there's all these kind of scenarios that, that creep up in my heart. And here's Jesus, so gracious, so kind. He welcomes this crowd. And he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and he cured those who had need of healing. Just get the setting. Hey, let's get away, guys. Let's go refresh. Let's go relax. Let's go rejuvenate. Let's remind our hearts of what we're about and what we're doing and what's been happening. And it gets totally interrupted by this massive crowd. And here's Jesus just loving, serving, graciously um, walking with people in their healing, curing them of diseases. Now the day began to wear away. This is verse 12. And the 12, his disciples, his guys, they came and they said to him, Jesus, you need to send the crowd away into uh, the, the surrounding villages and countryside. They need to go find lodging, get provisions, because we are here in a desolate place. I want you to just circle this, this phrase here, a desolate place. They're in a place where there's slim pickings. There's not food, there's not provision. It's kind of a dark place, probably out in the wild place where there's really not a lot to offer. I think about how many of our lives feel like this desolate place. Where, where we've tried a lot to get over this issue. We've tried to break this addiction. We've tried to kind of get this marriage put back together. We've tried to parent and our kids still don't want anything to do with us. We've tried and we tried and we tried. And it feels like it's just empty. It's desolate. 
There's really not a lot of future here, Jesus. You need to send these people away. Go take care of this issue, Jesus. Get them out of here and let them figure themselves out for themselves. Let's just do that. Jesus has a different way to think about our inadequacy. He says to them, I want you to give them something to eat. He says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. Uh, you don't know yet in the story, but there's a crowd of about 5,000 people, maybe more with all the people included, all the family members that are there. I want you to give them something to eat, he says to his disciples. Well, they said, we, we don't have hardly anything. We, I mean, we've got five loaves of bread, a couple of fish, unless we go and buy food. But I mean, where are we going to get the money to go buy enough food for these thousands of people? And then we're making a journey all the way into this village. And who knows if they have enough there? Like, this is a pretty desolate situation. Jesus, just send them away. No, you give them something to eat. It was about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, I want you to have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Verse 15 is so critical here in this story. For your story, for mine, They did so. The disciples obeyed. They had them all sit down. They took these five loaves and two fish. And Jesus, he looks up to heaven and he says a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves, gave the crowd, uh, gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Verse 17, this is the miracle. This is the provision. This is the power of God. This is the grace of God. They all ate and were satisfied. From a a lunch, 5,000 people were satisfied. I mean, from this tiny, insignificant, massively underwhelming bit, 5,000 people ate and were satisfied. Not only that, what was left over was picked up and there were 12 baskets of these leftover, these broken pieces that were picked up, gathered together at the end of this moment, this miracle. And when I see this story, Jesus gives us a completely different way to think about our inadequacy, our lacking, what we don't have, how broken we are, where we've come from. I said it a few minutes ago, we're real life. Real life is a collection of people that are starting to recognize more and more how inadequate they are and how loving and gracious and powerful our God is. Like this is a a constant for those of us that are putting our faith in Jesus. We're going to constantly be confronted with our inadequacies and we got to make a decision. Am I going to try to lean on myself and my own ability, my own strength and what I don't have and how bad it's been in the past and how broken I've always been? Or am I going to think about my inadequacy a different way? Jesus speaks into that question that every single one of us has. He speaks right into that with this invitation. You give him something to eat. Hey, I want you to be a part of something supernatural in your own life. I actually want to do something supernatural through you. I can imagine these guys out there being used by God, commissioned by God. They just come back from this crazy mission where Jesus is basically telling them, Michael preached on this last week, you are the the, the thing, the, the vehicle, the agent of reaching this entire world. You are going to be the ones that I've chosen, that I'm calling, that, that I'm going to use, that I'm going to equip, that I've set apart for my amazing mission, this purpose to heal, to set captives free, to open blind eyes, to, to help people become all that I made them to be. And man, I can only imagine how many moments of of inadequacy they were confronted with on that little journey that they went on. I can only imagine how many of you are just constantly confronted with your inadequacies right now. I feel like this season for me in particular, I feel like it's every turn, almost every day. There I go again, failing. There I go again, lacking. There I go again in a desolate place, scrambling, striving, wishing for a better day. And I feel like 
there's this kind of emotional response that just continues to come. Like I'm hoping for life to go back to normal. I think many of us are. I'm hoping that there'll be better days, but then there's almost this new feeling, this new emotion that seems to creep in. Like it probably never will. And that's a dangerous next thought. That's a thought that I think Jesus wants to change with this story. It's a thought that's really guided by our past. It's guided by our disappointments. It's guided by all of our failures and all of our lackings. There's a thought that I think he wants to give us to shape the future based on not our own abilities and our own inadequacies, but based on his provision, his power, his ability to be more than enough in our lives. And that's really the crux of this whole conversation is that it really isn't about what you and I have and haven't done and where we failed and haven't failed. This whole life that he's setting in front of us and inviting us into isn't about us at all. It's about him working in us and through us and, and, and becoming this, this amazing vehicle for his power and his glory to be on display. For him to work through little old you and me that, that have so much going against us, that have so many failures in our past, that have so much lacking in our future for him to make a decision and make an invitation to say, hey, you give him something. To eat. I want to do this miracle through you. I don't want you to sit on the sidelines and watch this miracle happen. I, I want you to actually experience this miracle. I want you to be in it. Here's the thing. The enemy wants to sideline you. Sure, God might have a plan to use your life to give you purpose and a hope and a future, but there's an enemy of your soul that wants to keep you at bay. He wants to keep you sidelined. And all he has to get you to believe is that your past will define your future. See, you and I choosing to stay on the sidelines is really a decision to say, well, I've messed up so many times. The addiction has ruled my heart so much. The, the, the pain of my divorce, all of the broken relationships, all those things of the past, the, the doctors, the way they've talked about my health, all of those defining moments of our past are going to define our future. That's how the enemy keeps you sidelined. But here's the God of the universe saying, hey, I want you to be a part of something supernatural, but you got to get in it to experience it. And I think that that's really the decision point is, are you going to get in to the middle of this crazy adventure with Jesus? Or are you going to allow your past to define your future? I hear Jesus saying, hey, I want to, I want to show you what I can do through you. I want to show you what I can. I can take your little inadequate lunch five loaves and two fish, and I can make it so much more than you ever dreamed. I could take all that past, all that brokenness, all those feeble attempts to become somebody better, and I can do something so supernatural through your life that you have never dreamt of it. I think about this as a, as a really a, an opportunity for you and I to make a decision. Okay, am I going to stay sidelined and allow the enemy to lie to me and keep me insecure and, and so focused on my failures? Or am I going to make a decision to, to actually believe that Jesus has a future for me? Here's how simple this, this moment of getting off the sidelines for the disciples was. And I think it, it's, it's really something that each of us can make a decision about. I don't think they said it verbally in this passage, but you can almost imagine like five loaves, two fish. This is not enough. I don't have what it takes. There's something simple about just admitting that, just maybe even saying it out loud. Like I, I don't have enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. My track record doesn't give, give you spouse any reason to trust me in the future. The ways I've always let you down, the ways I've always failed you, the, the pain I've caused you, the, 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 the brokenness that I brought into our marriage. 
gives you no reason to trust me, but I, I, I want to try. I want to move forward from here. Maybe as a parent, you feel like a complete failure. A desolate place has defined your parenting. The, the, the home you grew up in gives you no hope for the future with your kids. Yet I, yet I hear this simple just confession of like, hey, I don't have what it takes. But Jesus is making an invitation to step into this miracle. And so what did they do? They had the people sit down. They did what Jesus told them to do. It's like confession and obedience open the door for you and I to get off the bench and begin to be a part of the miracle. It's just this, I don't have what it takes, but Jesus is telling me to take this next step. I think in terms of those of you that are gonna put your faith in Jesus, the very first step that Jesus gives us to take is to be baptized. It's a very simple act. It's a, it's a symbol of Jesus transforming our lives and us submitting to him. And he told me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. I go down in the water like he went into the grave. I come out of the water, this, this new creation. And maybe something doesn't even feel different about this, but there is something supernatural and powerful about a simple confession. God, you are God, I am not. And I am trusting you with this life. And so I'm going into this water because you told me to do it. I'm gonna just have the people sit down because you told me to have them sit down, Jesus. I don't know how he's going to take these five loaves and these two fish and feed 5,000 people. But hey, y'all, would you sit down in a group of 50? This is what he told me to do. And I don't know how he's going to do it. But can you, can you grab a seat? And it's something so small. It seems so insignificant, but, but, it, but it's transformational because now you're engaged in an obedient relationship with Jesus. Now he has your heart. Now he has an opportunity to begin to, to reveal himself. Now he has like the ground to work with in your heart. Maybe, maybe you've, you, you've tried leading your home spiritually, men, and you fail miserably. And you, you want to like pray with your wife, but, but you're so insecure because every time you've, you've tried to lead in the past and then you failed and everything's fallen apart, you just feel like, man, if, if, if I grab her hand now and just try to pray, I'm going to be such a, such a jerk. Like I, I, I have messed up so bad, but I just could sense the Holy Spirit saying, just grab her hand right now. Babe, I know I haven't led well, but I want to. Would you pray with me? Would you allow me to pray? I don't know how God is going to heal our marriage, but I'm trusting him to do something supernatural. It's just a, a confession and a small step of obedience that gets you off the bench and into the middle of this opportunity for Jesus to do a miracle. And I think about the end of the story, how cool it is that there's this provision of this 5,000 people eating like we can't just brush past that. Maybe some of you have heard the story. I've heard the story so many times. I could, I could recite it to you from memory. But there's this, there's this awe of, oh my goodness, Jesus just took five loaves, two fish, and fed over 5,000 people with it. And, and almost like just to make sure that his disciples really understood the miracle that just transpired, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. I want you to think about this. There's 12 disciples following Jesus. It's almost like, hey, just in case you were missing the miracle that I did, here's, a, here's a, a reminder. Here's a basket of reminders to show you how powerful I am, that I'm not just a God who kind of helps you squeak by, but I'm a God who's way more than enough for you. I, I have the ability to do so much more than you could ever hope or dream or ask or imagine. And, and, and just to help you kind of sink that into your heart, disciple, I'm going to give you an entire basket of leftovers. I can almost imagine them walking back to their family that night carrying this basket of leftovers as this demonstration of God's power and, and, and miraculous provision in their life just overwhelmed like look at this 
Like I, I would want to run up to everybody that I, that I encountered and go, you got to know like five loaves, two fish, 5,000. Look at this. Jesus is powerful. He, he, can, he can change my life. He could change your life. He could, he could do something supernatural in your life. And I, and I think about the discipline of just you and I making a decision in our heart to think about our inadequacy differently. Like what if at the other side of our inadequacy is a basket of leftovers that you and I could have never comprehended. But here's Jesus just waiting to give you a basket full of reminders of how powerful and how loving and how good and how gracious he is. I could just see some of us just wanting to pick up a basket and I could hear God saying to you, Hey, I know that you've struggled and I know that inadequacy has defined your past, but I've got a future for you. Would you just take a basket with you? Because I've got to fill it with something that you never dreamt. Would you just take a basket with you? I know I'm calling you to take this step in your marriage. I know I'm calling you to, to, to believe for something greater than you've ever experienced before, but would you just take a basket with you? Because I'm going to show you how powerful I am. Think about some of you in financial trouble right now. Maybe job has gone away or maybe you've just piled up dead and you found yourself like wanting to trust God financially, give faithfully in 10% to his mission. And yet, yet you've been locked in the failures of the past and have no idea about the abundant provision of God. And I'm just hearing him say, take a basket with you. I want to do something supernatural that's going to demonstrate to you my abundant provision that I am more than enough for you. I am more than enough for all of your failures, all of your past, all of your inadequacy, and I'm going to show it to you. A basket could be so simple. It could just be choosing to have an expectant heart. You deciding in your heart that I'm going to believe for something better, a hope. A thought that says, you know what? I know it's always been hard and it's always been bad and my marriage has always been broken, but I'm gonna believe, Jesus, that you're gonna do something different. I hope that you can. A basket could just be you trying again. Like this pornography addiction that you have has ruled your life. It has shaped your decisions. It could just be you finally saying, okay, I know I gave up a while ago on this addiction, but I'm gonna try again. I'm actually gonna delete these apps from my phone. I'm going to put a filter on. I am going to make a decision to try again. I know I failed in the past. I know it didn't work last time, but I'm trusting God that you're gonna be more than enough. I'm trusting that you are gonna provide. I am tired of, of giving way to this crazy addiction that exploits people in our culture that literally gives way to sex trafficking. I know that you probably know like the craziness of what this addiction is doing and the brokenness that it's feeding in our system. I don't need to preach to you about that, but I, but I gotta give you hope to try again. Would you just believe that he can be more than enough, set you free, make you a new creation, that he can give you the power to overcome this addiction? Take a basket with you. Would you have the courage to say, okay, maybe these three simple words, a basket could just be this, I forgive you. You've been hurt so many times by your spouse. This extended family member has just devastated you over and over and over again. And a basket could just be, I forgive you. I'm gonna release you of my bitterness. I'm gonna trust you. Even though I don't wanna trust you, you have no reason for me to trust you. I'm gonna choose to trust you. See, that's a basket that Jesus can fill miraculously with his provision. That's a basket that Jesus can can just fill with a love and a grace that you, you don't have in of yourself. It's like this tiny little lunch that you're just going, eh, this is all I got. He's going, great. Let me show you how much more than enough I could be with all you've got. But that tiny little bit, let me show you how powerful I can be in your life. See, it's just like the world and the enemy of our souls to 
captivate us with our past and our brokenness. But it's just like Jesus, not to like take our past and all of our failures and try to just clean them up a little bit. It's like him to take it and just like totally flip the whole thing over on us. Paul, one of the early church planners in the first century, and he was a guy of massive failure. He was a guy that used to kill Christians because he was trying to stop this crazy uprising, this movement of Jesus followers. He used to have them thrown in jail. He was going from town to town, having people thrown in jail. And, and Jesus meets him one day on a road and begins to radically transform his life and calls him to be on mission with him. And throughout his letters, if you read Paul's letters, he's writing constantly of his inadequacy. There's one moment in particular in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he's, he's plagued by this thorn in his side. We don't know what it is, but it's a constant reminder of his inadequacy. And he prays, he's praying to Jesus. He says, three different times, I begged the Lord to take this thorn away from me, to take it away from me, begged him. Think about this posture. Each time Jesus said, my grace is all you need, Paul. My grace is enough for you. My power works best in weakness. Think about this. Jesus doesn't just try to like minimize your weaknesses. He actually exploits it for his purposes. That in your weakness, his power is made perfect. So Paul's like, okay, well then now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Like how, how insane is that? Instead of being defined by the failures of the past, he's going, no, no, my failures actually now are a reminder to me of the goodness and the grace and the power of God at work in me. So I'm going to boast about them all the more so that the power of Christ can actually work through me, he says. Like, think of this. This is what makes us real life is nobody has it all together. Nobody has this thing figured out. Nobody has their life kind of squared away. All of us come to Jesus in desperate need of his power, his provision, his grace, his forgiveness, his healing, his transformation. And all of us are walking toward this future through the love and the power of Jesus being transformed by him. Our weaknesses become this constant reminder. Jesus, you are working through me. I love this. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, Paul says. I'm actually going to boast about them. I'm going to take pleasure in them, in the insults that I endure, the hardships that I come across, the pandemics that I'm in the middle of, the persecutions that I face, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. I'm going to actually take pleasure in those things. Why? Because when I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm at my weakest, his strength is made perfect. When I don't have what it takes, when my inadequacies surface, this is the perfect moment for Jesus to take my little bit and make it more than enough. This is the perfect moment for me to understand that his provision is so much greater than anything I could ever dream. So my hope is this, that you would reframe how you think about your inadequacy and begin to make decisions about the future, not based on your abilities and your past failures, but on the provision, the miraculous, abundant grace and power of God. See, here's what we believe about this story is it was written a couple thousand years ago, but it's an actual eyewitness account of Jesus' ministry. This is the miraculous power of God that is still working today and can work in every single one of our lives. The reason I read these to you and, and, and for all of us as a people is to be reminded that this is the same God that, that worked then is working now. I know everything seems like it's crazy, but that God is still God. He hasn't stopped being God. He didn't abandon our world. He didn't give up on us. He hasn't walked away. He was right here in our midst saying, hey, I want you to see what I can do to you. Would you give him something to eat? 
Would you step in the middle of this miracle with me? Would you allow me to take your inadequacy and make something so abundant that you're going to be carrying around this basket as a testimony, as a story, as a witness to what I've done in your life? Would you take a basket with you and trust me to fill it to this abundant place? Trust me to show you how powerful I can be in your life. God, would you make us a people that revel in our weakness, not hide from them, not run from them. We understand, God, it's, it's your power that's made perfect in our weakness. And I want to pray for you. Pray wherever you're at today. God is meeting you, He's speaking to you. He's giving you a next step. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's as simple as, like I said, confess and obey, that you would confess that you need God, that you are a sinner. You need healing, forgiveness from your sin. God is the only one that can do that, and that you would obey. He says to, to put your faith in him, to repent, and to be baptized. Take that step. We want to help you. We want to pray with you. Text us. Email us. Let us know how we can help you take that step. We have people calling this week saying, hey, I want to be baptized. This is a step for every single one of us to take. If you haven't taken it, we'll help you. Some of you, you're, you, you're stuck in your failure. You just hear the Holy Spirit saying, hey, would you, would you trust me that I could take your little bit, your inadequate bit, and make it so much more than enough? Jesus, you see every heart, you see every person, you, every soul, God. God, you're so faithful to speak hope into the hopelessness right now. You are so faithful to reveal your love right now. We're trusting, God, that you can make a way where it seems like there is no way, God, you can make a way for healing in this marriage, freedom from this addiction, strength for these parents, hope for this lost soul, for this weary soul. God, you can, you can bring transformation, healing for this sick person, God. For those struggling with the anxiety of, of a sickness, God, would you just set them free from that anxiety and trust, God, that your provision is gonna be more than enough? God, you are so faithful, so powerful, so loving and kind. We trust you, we look to you, we love you. God, we, we ask you to move in our midst in the way that you've always been working, God, today. In Jesus' name. Love you so much for your life. Love all of you who are tuning in with us today. And let's move to a time of just worship. Let's respond to God's leadership. Text us, respond any way that you can digitally. We want to help you take your next steps. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.